pray with me. God, what have you done for us? How poignant are the phrases we sing. And how wonderful is the celebration we have. What a strange mixture that you have given us all of your life and all of your suffering so that we would not have to bear that when we die. What a great gift to us and to those of us and through us who you will bring into your kingdom. Lord, now, give us your word, bite by bite, that we might become your character and we might do your good in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you have your scriptures with you, uh, please turn to Matthew chapter 13. And let me remind you of the context, uh, as Vernon has done at the beginning of the service. All this year is about what it means to be salt and light in the world, and how we can be ministers in different situations out there, because 95% of our lives we spend out there. And so we don't need to be trained for ministry in here so much as we need to be trained for ministry out there. And we're going through the different arenas of life that everybody has. We're in the arena of friends right now. And a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, we talked about our ministry to our believing friends. And we said this, we have a ministry to believing friends by encouraging them and building them up in their faith because the world will suck your faith dry. Um, we can't just say, well, so-and-so is a believer. They don't, they don't need, I mean, they're already there. Even John the Baptist became discouraged in his faith. And if John the Baptist becomes discouraged enough in his faith to say, is this really the Lord? You can better bet you're going to become discouraged in your faith and your friends are going to be discouraged in their faith. We have a ministry to our believing friends to build up their faith. We also have a ministry to our non-believing friends. And that is to love them like crazy and enjoy them but also as God provides the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them because we want to be with them forever. We don't want them to miss out on the banquet. We don't want to miss them. We want, we want to be with them forever. And so our ministry to our unbelieving friends is love and the presentation of the gospel as God gives us time. But there's also this third realm. What about the folks that we're with and we're just acquaintances? We're not friends. We're not close. We may be someday, nobody knows, but, but, and we don't really know where they are. I mean, it may be people at work, it may be people at school, it may be people in the Little League field, in the PTA meetings, whatever. But we see them with some consistency. Do we have a ministry to them? Do we ever? <laughs> Turn to Matthew chapter 13, and let me begin by reading the third verse. We'll come back to the first and second later on. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold. Uh, this, is a, this is a great Greek word. It's, it, it, it gets your attention in Greek like once upon a time does uh, when you're telling a story to a kid. That was the effect to the adults in Greek. Behold, once upon a time. The sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell upon rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up 
because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, it's very important to understand that in the 13th chapter of Matthew, it's a very enjoyable chapter to read. You might add that this week to your curriculum reading because it's just fun to read the whole chapter. It's all about the kingdom of heaven and different ways of looking at the kingdom of heaven. Um, but there's one thing that all of these likenesses or metaphors have in mind or in common, and that is someone takes initiative. Someone takes initiative. Somebody goes out and does the deal. Behold, the sower went out. The sower takes initiative. In his address, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis said this, If you could ask 20 good people what the prime quality of being a good person is these days, probably 18 out of the 20 would, would say to be unselfish. But if you could go centuries back and ask the wonderful Christian leaders that we've had, what is the primary quality of being a good person? They would have said to love. Do you see the difference, he says? The difference is that we have taken what was positive, that which was determined to do another good, and we have neutralized it and make it made it into the negative. We believe today the best we thing we can do is not trounce on somebody else's world, not hoard what is somebody else's. And we believe that's the chief quality. But it's not. It never has been for the Christian. The Christian always is to take initiative to do someone else good. And that is very important. Now, as this parable goes on, you see the, 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 the sower here. He's got so much seed it falls out. Some people say, well, why wouldn't he save all the seed for the good soil? And the answer to that, of course, is you don't know what the good soil is and what it isn't. You don't always know that. And so there is an abundance of this seed, and some falls on some places where it won't sprout, and some falls on some places where it will sprout. Here's the point. There's a difference in the, the, the method of propagation here. Now, I'm married to a biologist, and so I know some, some of this stuff uh, just from hearing her talk. There are really two methods of plant propagation. One is by vegetation. That's where you, you take a cutting or some sample of an existing plant, and you take it toward a, a certain um, designated area where it is most likely to grow because you know the kind of soil that it needs and the kind of climate that it needs and, and you, you plant it there and what you have spring up is really a clone of the original plant. If you know that that's exactly what you want, that's really your best method. However, it doesn't yield the kind of sturdy plant in the long run that propagation by seed does. Because when you take that cutting, you, all, you not only take 
the, the life of the cutting, you also take the inbred diseases of the cutting. And those diseases are transferred to the next plant. Therefore, there's an analogy here for church planting. And church planting, we want other churches just like us. When we say that, basically what we're saying is, not only do we want to glorify who we are, but probably what's going to happen is we're going to pass on to them the things that are wrong here and, and pass on to them the mistakes we've made here. No, this is the second kind of propagation. This is the propagation by seed. You see, in a seed, there's not the, usually the genetic transfer of diseases in a seed, not the same kind. In a seed, there's a more, uh, more of a chance that, that, that there's a hybrid strength and, and the, the plants are much more long-lived and much healthier because of being out there in a way that they can develop immunities from those natural diseases. And plus in seed, you can scatter them anywhere and what will grow will grow and what won't won't. And this is what Jesus is saying as far as the Word of God. You can't just take the Word of God and, and look at the most likely Christian candidate and say, here's where I'm going to apply the seed so I can grow a Christian just like me. That has some inherent problems. Um, um, I, 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 so we went through a big discipleship thing years and years ago, and, and, and uh, discipleship is a wonderful thing. But what, what happens is usually uh, people get so attached to other people that they, that they start to imitate people instead of have a relationship with the Lord. And you've got to watch that. And so, and so uh, Jesus is saying, put it out there. You don't know what hearts are ready and what aren't. You don't know how deep the soil is. Put it out there. And then he says this. The sower went out just to sow, to scatter the seed. Now watch. It is very important to note that he doesn't go out to argue a case. He doesn't go out to argue with the ground. He just goes out to see what will happen. There's a winsomeness to this whole deal. A winsomeness. We've got to understand that spreading the gospel, especially to mixed company, to people you don't know about, is much more like flirtation than debate. It's much more like putting something out there to see if there's a response than it is to begin with an argument. If I ever write a book on natural leadership, one of the axioms I'm going to put in there is this. Anytime you have to begin with persuasion or an argument to get your point across, you are starting from second place and going back. Anytime you have to start with persuasion or an argument to get your point across, you are starting from second place and going back. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Just put it out there. This isn't rocket science. You know what this is. You remember junior high, don't you? You remember what it was like to see if there was any chance with somebody? You know? You just kind of gave these little signals. And you waited for the response. Uh, Orlando told some funny stories last night about, uh, about his flirtation with his wife and, and just to see if there was uh, what, whatever. You know, you, it's, it's kind of a, you spot somebody, want to, want to know if there's any chemistry there, and you just say, hello. You know, just kind of, a, <laughs> kind of one of those deals. And you can tell, bing, if there's any immediate response or not. Or, or you, can, you can usually tell the shades of response even. This is not rocket science. 
It, it works also in uh, teaching. When, te when you're teaching, you're scattering the knowledge. And what are you looking to see? If there's any response. And for those portions of kids in your class that have a response, that have questions, man, that's what you're going to be drawn to. The rest, you're going to keep order. But you know as a teacher, I was a teacher for a while, and you know as a teacher that the ones you're going to spend your giant amount of time on is the ones that are ready to listen. And the rest of you are going to try not to kill each other. They get to kill each other. Same thing with parenting. You know, you love all your kids the same. But sometimes they're ready to learn and sometimes they ain't. Sometimes they're in teachable moments or teachable stage and sometimes they ain't. And so your job is to keep enough order in the house that they don't come to harm if they're not ready to learn, but to wait for those times when, when they're just, okay, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. You know that because this. Receiving a message or receiving teaches, teaching is not a matter of aptitude. It's a matter of attitude. You know that. You know that instinctively. The ground here does not symbolize somebody's mind. It symbolizes somebody's heart. The hardened heart. And so therefore, Jesus is saying, you've got to be ready for what's, for what's there. Or you've got, to, you've got to throw it out and not worry about it. If the heart is so hard it can't receive it, that's not your problem. Your problem is just to throw it out and look for any kind of response. Look for any kind of results. And so this is not a prophetic thing. Beck and I had a friend one time. We, we have a lot of friends who, are, who have the gift of evangelism. And this friend of a friend had, had a gift of evangelism and prophecy in the same person, if you can imagine this. So this guy made a habit of going to airports and just preaching the gospel. I mean, I mean not just sharing the good news. I mean preaching the gospel to people as they were going along. And, and he was kind of a character, as you, as you probably would imagine. And so uh, he, he'd get to the point where he'd ask, to ask him to say a prayer of salvation. Well, he didn't want to say a prayer of salvation. And for the people who didn't, he'd just bow his head and start praying anyhow. And this is what he'd pray. Oh, Lord, this person has chosen hell. And so, <laughs> and so I just pray you give it to him. You know, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say him that, you know. Well, that's not, that's not what this, that's not what this parable is talking about. This parable is talking about the good news that comes across like, look, I've, somebody's given me something worth more than $10 million. And I can tell you where to get the same thing. Now, believe it or not, when it comes across like that, you're still going to have people that's, that are self made enough or self-centered enough say, I don't need your $10 million, I got a personal visa. And they will, they will not know the difference. But the point is, you keep spreading the gospel. You keep spreading the good news. Now let's see what else this says. It also says this, we got to be out there to do this. The sower went out to sow. We have to Place ourselves in the positions. You know, it's so easy to come to church and talk Christianese to each other. We love this stuff. You know, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord to you too. <laughs> bless you. Oh, yeah, bless you too. I almost forgot that, you know. And, and uh, didn't God go, oh, God, it's good. Yeah, yeah. And we like this. We like It's one thing to do it here because we know we're going to have a, a, a friendly atmosphere, hopefully, at least accepting that. Do it out there. See what happens out there. But see, if, if, if our job is to be sowers, 
If our job is to give as we've been given to, which is exactly our job, we got to give. We got to be in the places where it can be received, where it'll make a difference. The sower went out to sow. He didn't sow in his house. He went out to sow. He went into the fields. I was reading a, a, an article in this uh, month's Scientific American. I think it's July '98. Uh, it's about uh, butterflies and how butterflies. Um, there's young people here have boyfriends and girlfriends, and 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 how they how they know they're ready to have boyfriends and girlfriends. Uh, because, first of all, uh, butterflies have eyes that see ultraviolet colors. And so, and so they can tell by the wing, by the colors of the wing, um, which are men and which are girls. That's the main thing you want to try to, to tell when you're, and, and the article says anything after that's fine tuning. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta spot that. And then, and then, and then, of course, there's a, you know, as in, as in all, um, 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 Reproductive uh, insect reproduction. It's it's a uh, there's chemicals involved and then and but he said he said this this was interesting to me he said boy butterflies go to the places where they think girl butterflies are hanging out isn't that cool I mean that's like to me it's like when we were kids we went to the drive-in because we knew that girls would be at the drive-in it happens in butterflies it's just like real estate location 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 you got <laughs> you got you got to go. Where you, you, you're interested of the other person, where you think they are. I want to tell you the same thing is true, spreading the word. Uh, I, I know people who say, well, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm in a little league, but church is where the Lord loves. No, little league's where the Lord loves too. Because there's people out there just lost as a goose and who, who, who would, who just, who just need to know that there, that there's a, there's a hope. Um, and, and you don't need to argue them into it. Uh, if you just say, you know, God is good, if you say, well, you know, praise, they'll, they'll be kind of, well, know where they can, can get a word on that hope. Remember the, the memory verse is, uh, separate in your hearts Christ is Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason of the, that the hope is in you. That you have hope in you. What, what is that explanation? That's, that's the point. You're out there and there is some sort of, God's done something in their life and now they're kind of pointed toward you. That's very important. And it's very important not only for them, but for you, for me. You know why? Because this Christianity thing is not just an intellectual thing. It's not a thing of being, somebody being right and somebody being wrong. It's not a thing of, 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 uh, just uh, eternal destinations. It's a, it's a thing about life. It's a thing about who we become. It's a thing about about how we live and and what we live for. Um, um, un, unless we unless we've got that kind of profound effect, then we've quite missed the point. This uh, this uh, latest issue of Harvard Business Review has an interesting article. It talks about the. Um, the, the first three uh, most saleable commodities or, or markets um, um, of the last century in this, in this country. The first market, of course, or economy was the agricultural economy. A lot of you remember when uh, that was so big and so important to this uh, country at the turn of the century. Most people lived on farms and they produced and that was the, that was the main saleable product. 
and then we went into the industrial age and, and what became the main focus of the economy was the manufactured goods, uh, those goods that would improve your life, not just sustain you, but improve your life. Then we went into an era of services, where the main thing that was being sold was service to one another. You want to know what the next economy is, the next world economy? Here it is, experience. Experience. That's why Walt Disney can, can just continue to grow, because that's what they sell. They sell experience. Now, to this I say, welcome to the gospel, because that's what has always been important to God. Anything that succeeds, succeeds because it has a link to the truth. May not be the truth, may even be a replacement for the truth and be dangerous, but it succeeds because there's something that rings true in somebody's heart. And so therefore, Christianity has never been about mere survival. It's never been about uh, having what we need uh, to live a comfortable life. Uh, I hear people say that about Christianity, and, and yes, Christianity works, but that's not the point of the thing. And the point of the thing isn't just serving. The point of the thing is to live a different life, to be a different person. Behold, in Him we are new creations. The old has passed away, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So that's the point of this thing. And it's important that we are out there because we're different people and we are our speech is different and our witness is different and who we are is different. So it's important to get out there. It also talks about the scattering of the seed. In Acts, when the church was born, the church had a significant language um, that was different from the rest of the world. The rest of the world was a language that had to be translated. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost what happened? There was a language that didn't have to be translated because it spoke about the mighty acts of God in the language people already understood. That was the amazing thing about it. They didn't need a translator. This is not glossolalia where everybody's going, huh? We've got to have an interpretation here. This is a language that is so powerful that it is exactly what they've been living and exactly what they've been looking for. And that is the language of scattering seed. You've got to live with people long enough that you can work into a normal conversation the language of the kingdom. If our ministry to them is reference to God, and then readiness to explain when they come to us. If our, if our ministry is reference to God, then, then there has to be ways in which we, we work in um, 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 phrases that will let them know that we aren't from this world, we belong to another one. We aren't from this king, we belong to another one. And whether those phrases, and you can, you can pick out your own, and it'll be a great challenge. Work out your own in ways that don't seem artificial or Christianese to people. You can always use God is good. I mean, that's a wonderful phrase to dot your language because it identifies you as a, as a Christian and it identifies you as a believer and it identifies you as somebody who has hope in them. So it's not bad at all to start dotting your language to, with God is good. It is not bad at all to start dotting your language with phrases like um, thank God, uh, or, or phrases like, man, I love the way God made you. 
Um, it's not bad at all to uh, go out and, and in this season of drought say, yeah, I wonder if this is a test. Uh, it's not bad at all to make references in your normal conversations to the Lord. And you don't have to, you don't have to uh, 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 follow up right then. You just watch for the reaction, but scatter the seed. I also want to say just a couple of things of, of, of how this applies to the distributed church. Because hopefully every message, we will not only be equipping individuals for ministry, but we will be equipping ourselves as a congregation for ministry. Go back to the first two verses in this, in this parable. I want, to, I want to show you three things about the distributed church and, and why what God has called us to is so thoroughly biblical um, that you will be able to see it no matter what scripture we, we are preaching on. First verse, on that day, Jesus went out of the house. On that day, Jesus went out of the house. Stop right there. This is the literal body of Christ. Where did he go for ministry? Out of the house. This is the house of God. The body of Christ goes out of the house in order to do ministry. If that is true for individuals, should that not also be true for the congregation? We are the body of Christ, but we're the body of Christ together. And so the body of Christ as a congregation should be out there doing the work of Christ, linking with other bodies of Christ, so to speak, other efforts that God is, is doing. So, so that's one. Now, now read on with me. And he was sitting by the sea. That's where the people were. They weren't in the house. They were out there. And Jesus, I told you uh, before, Jesus did, did his ministry where the people were. And great multitudes gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole multitude was standing on the beach. Number two, some people recoil at the idea of using media for preaching the gospel. I want to tell you, Jesus used media to preach the gospel. How many people out of those hundreds and hundreds do you think could hear him when he was in the center of that crowd? Not very many. Just those that were immediately around him. But Jesus put, got into a boat, put out a little from shore. What that does, in effect, is it, it forms a natural amplification system. The water acts as character of, uh, of the carrier of sound waves. So that, why did he do it? So that anybody who wanted to hear could hear. We're not doing anything different than Jesus did. Jesus used media. That's what he's doing here. So that anybody who wants to hear can hear. It's not as technologically sophisticated or complicated, but it's the same principle because he wanted to scatter the seed. He didn't know. Who is going to follow and who, well, maybe he did. But the principle is, who's going, we don't know who's going to follow and who isn't. Jesus said, tell them all, and then watch who follows. And the third thing we've got, we've got to remember is that we're going to have a lot of relationships with other ministries along the way. And some of them are going to pop right up and say, oh, I'm ready for this. But it ain't going to happen because the sun's going to come out and they're going to wither away because there was no root there. And there, the other, other ones are going to pop up and then they're, then they're going to get so busy with their own stuff that they haven't got time for the relationship anymore because the cares of this world are carrying them away. But there will be 
relationships with other ministries we have for years and years and years and years, decades to come, that generations will happen. If the Lord tarries, if that generationally we will have those, we will have those relationships. Now, last thing. I want you to notice that in this passage, in these verses, there is the assumption of time and there is the assumption of accumulated effort. There's the assumption that things come in season and that things don't pop just right up and that you just kind of got to keep watching to see what God does. Paul does the same thing when he taught, writes in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 when he says, look, I planted, Apollo's watered, Apollo's watered, but God gave the growth. You've got to realize that we're just, you're just a link. I'm just a link. Now you might, in the final analysis, be the final link. Somebody under your, under your uh, care may come to Christ. But many times you'll be maybe the first link or maybe the middle link or, or towards the end. You don't know. The point is that it's God's timing that makes the difference. It's God's timing. Because seeds don't always sprout the first time they're planted. Some can lie dormant for years. Paul Harvey tells a story, I'll close with this. Paul Harvey tells a story about um, um, uh, this town in Japan. I'm trying to think of the name, Kamagawa. (laughs) Help me out here. It's about 25, it's about 25 uh, miles southeast of Tokyo. You know which one I'm talking about? Is it? It's Kamagawa? Kanagawa. Okay, thank you. It's Kanagawa. Anyhow, there were digs. It's always good to have reference points here. Uh, um, it, there were, there were, there were uh, historic digs in the peat moss there. Um, and they, they came across this, this uh, petrified canoe uh, and these kind of age-old utensils there. Um, and doing the testing, uh, they discovered that it was at least uh, a couple of thousand years old. But they discovered in there this untouched seed. They extracted that seed, and they took it to a laboratory, and they planted it in soil under the right climatic conditions. And two thousand years later that seed sprouted I mean in four days they had a sprout and in 14 weeks they had a lotus flower a seed that had fallen asleep at the time of Christ awoke a few years ago you never know what your words are going to do you may be long gone from the scene and just God just brings the right soil and the right climate and the right atmosphere, and that comes to life. So don't get discouraged because love never fails. Pray with me. God, thanks that you have made us sowers. Thank you that you have given us a message that is so wonderful that we can share it with other people and we can put it out there, and, and you can take over from there. And we can watch to see which of those people responds, and sometimes we'll see. Sometimes we'll see change in their life, and sometimes we won't. 
But, but our job always remains the same. Help us, Lord, in our daily conversation to keep making references to You so that people might have their heart quickened to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand up for the benediction and the challenge? Let me ask the prayer team to come down, uh, please, and, and let me do exactly what I've said today, and that is to just say to you, we have a great offering, and that is salvation by grace through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And that, not of ourselves. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't have to get better to have it. We just have to accept it as a gift and give our lives to God. There may be somebody in this crowd today that's ready for that right now. And if you're here and you want that, then I challenge you to come forward and pray with the prayer team. They can lead you into a personal relationship with God and you need never to doubt or wonder about that relationship again. There's some of you who may need a little bit of courage to, to witness where you are or, or, or counsel as to how you could put something just to throw it out there to see if there's any response. They would be glad to help you with that also. Or pray about other things. Some of you need healing. Some of you have specific problems. Again, they'd be glad to pray with you. But here's the challenge. For the rest of us, actually for all of us, if you get done praying, we need to go out this week and make constantly in our conversation references and appreciations to God so that people can be reminded that He is here and look consistently for any signal that somebody wants to follow up with you and then go do your ministry. Let's go.